And I am with that scary Jersey guy. And we have another victim, I mean guest, uh, Nuo Owen, who is really just a fan. (laughs) Hello. We're doing a fan film, Friday 13th Vengeance. you to meet Angelica Jarvis. My dad is missing. He thinks Jason is back and he's probably gone after him again. But what about the rumors? What about the rumors that there's a homicide investigation? Rumors? I don't deal in rumors, kid. But what about Jason? Dad left you a note on the table. Please look after your sister. I don't know when I'll be home. You know, his mom was original. He's still killer. Whatever happened to his dad? He passed away. Alone and grieving from the sound of it. Sounds like he really loved his kid. A lot. He's back. If you do end up watching this film, watch it because it's a passion project and consider it as such. It's not going to be AAA. It's not going to hold up to your nostalgic memories of the series 100%, but it is absolutely itself a project worthy of viewing and consideration. And whatever opinion you take away from it, it will have been a worthy experience. Everybody that is a fan, we're we're all horror. I mean, that's not... I, I've seen some pissing kind of, you're not a real fan. I, I hate that. That's such bullshit. It's so elitist. You're not a real fan. How do you know? You know, it, 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 people on the internet are funny. But um, at the end of the day, we're all horror fans. We all have our favorite franchise. And yeah, this was a passion project. And look at how a lot of other passion projects started out. And, you know, look at Evil Dead. Was there... Great A acting, was there perfect practical effects and all that other stuff? It, not not every single thing no. started off perfect. <laughs> not n- not in the first movie. The well, not not even in the second movie. There were some there, no. there were some quirks with the second movie and there were some quirks with the third movie. And oh, just, I could, it's half opinion and it's half evolution. I can go on for an hour on like the beauty of the first Evil Dead movie. Uh but you're right. The it's, beauty of the first Evil Dead movie is that it pretty much it fit in line with a lot of what uh, Vengeance was built around. This was a bunch of 
ambitious filmmakers who love what they do that mm-hmm. came together and they wanted to entertain people and try to leave a mark on the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, did we accomplish the f- making an ambitious film? I, I absolutely think so. I think so. Did we, leave a think mar- so. did we leave a mark? It's too early to tell. And if I said yes right now, you, you, everybody that's listening to this would be like, you're full of shit. You're, you're so full of yourself. It, it's true. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little too early to tell because uh, it's, what, the 15th right now? Right. You know, so this was just two days ago, not even, that it just came out, and time will tell. So far, uh, the YouTube comments have been really positive. And, well, you know how YouTube yeah, comments I go. I've been seeing the YouTube comments, and I've been floating through the area, and seeing the positive reception is absolutely amazing. It really is. And, you know, there there are some people that you're never going to please, no matter how much you try to convince them. And, you know what? That's their right to not like it. You know, that's cool. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. I, I, I can dig that. I don't expect people to absolutely fucking fall head over heels for this. True. The only thing that I personally would ask, you know, just not as someone who was in this movie, and when you make a broad general statement about, well, I hated all the actors and all this shit, that, that, that's not me speaking. This is just me speaking as a human. Yeah, th- um, this wasn't made by a studio. It was, you know, fucking... Uh, well, this is know, just, me, but me speaking as a human being is just, um, if you don't like it, don't like it, but don't go over the top. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not um, to be misconstrued as something saying, oh, well, you're just being delicate. It's it, it's the same thing that I said about the, with the McDonald's thing. Do you, do you return the burger and say, you know, this, this wasn't what I ordered? Or do you just start throwing things around and slamming shit? And trying to make everybody feel fucking terrible, because you know. That, well, it also. Oh, go, go on. No, you go on. Um, it ties no, into it. A, con- a concept in Japanese architecture, which is wabi-sabi. It's like accepting the imperfections and flaws in an artistic creation, based on like transience and imperfection. And what's evident in this film is that it's not manufactured. When I get a little gristle in my Big Mac, you bet that bitch is going back. But if I go to a family-owned restaurant and it's evident they made those buns with their bare hands and I get a little hard piece in the meat, okay. That's okay. The little imperfections in the acting, the little imperfections in the practical effects, film editing, direction, anything that might stick out to me are just evidence that it was crafted by people and not a factory that simply poops out movies labeled Friday the 13th. Perfect. Damn. Oh, that was perfect. I was also gonna, I was also gonna add. You know, it's like there's gonna be more fan films. There's already like three or four more in the works. You know, so if this isn't your cup of tea, you got others. But like, don't shun people that made it because you know, they tried. At least they did. Yeah, well, yeah. well, that's the important thing is that everybody did try. And I know we live in a society now where, oh, well, if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Fuck you, dude. You get in the kitchen yourself. Let's see what you can fucking do. I don't even like to take that attitude. It's just, you know, just people need to be a little bit more chill. You know, there's fandom and there's being just there's, uh, too much. Need. Well, we've definitely entered a culture of being pedantic where people, um, there's a good comedic bit. I forget who does it, but he's talking about assholes who make like illegal traffic maneuvers because they've made one wrong turn. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, they'll pull left from the right turn lane and they just kind of wave to everyone like, sorry, it's my favorite thing. 
They've just got to have it their way. They can't go straight and turn left slightly later. They can't accept the imperfection of what's happened and just move on. It needs to be correct now. The film has to be perfect. If it's not perfect, it's condemned. And um, I can't really empathize with that worldview because these are people. Like when I wa if you go back and watch the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and tell me that that acting is Oscar caliber. Yeah, and who would have thought that Johnny Depp would have wound up out of that? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Made up with a national treasure out of that. What was that? What, what, one, if you part three, I always liked that that terrible. Where did that come from? When the water fell out from the bathtub, when uh, Chris Higgins first walked into the cabin. Yeah, you, know, you you could look at little bits and pieces there, you know. It's just um, it's just there. Yes. Right. So. Synopsis: It's been thirty years since Friday Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives in Jason's back, and some shit's gonna go down. <laughs> Look, clearly we all recommend this, and if you haven't seen it, you need to pause this podcast, go to YouTube or Vimeo, type in Friday the 13th Vengeance, watch it, and then come back, because we're just going to jump into the plot, what we liked, and all that stuff. Of course. So, uh, Owen, you can uh, go first. Uh, what did you think of uh, Vengeance when you began to watch it? Well, when I began, I was honestly, uh, I, I would say the expectations were set at ground level. I, I uh, kind of agree with a previous guest on your show when he said he did not like fan videos. That would be the Scary Jersey guy. Oh, well, I agree with you, Scary Jersey. I couldn't tell who was speaking. Um, but as I watched it, I was quite pleasantly surprised to realize I was not looking for nice things to say about a tremendous pile of shit. And in fact, it was a pretty cohesive movie for a fan make. Right, I didn't right. sound as positive as I intended. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, no, you're not. Some people are cynical when it comes to fan creations. Um, the cool thing about Vengeance is the fact that they actually got talent behind the actual franchise to help out. Um, Which was, you know. I would agree was evident throughout it. So, Scary Jersey Guy, uh, I know you shared it yeah. kind of in the past, but like, how did you get involved on the production of Vengeance? For those who haven't checked out previous episodes, you know. Well, I got um, uh, invited to be in the movie after um, I originally started making YouTube videos called TGIF13, and basically it's just any of the more interesting moments that happened during um, playing Friday the 13th, the game, I would just record them and, you know, make movie references out of them, like take a car chase scene and make it seem like the, you know, throw in sounds from the naked gun, or when the, the power would get cut off, make it seem like one of those moments in Clue when they turn the power off. You know, and um, evidently I wound up getting invited <laughs> to the game's release party. And I was down there, got to meet Tom Savini, you know, absolutely starstruck. I got to meet Harry Manfredini. Sweet. And I am, um, you know, just sitting there going, wow, you know, you, do, you, you go around, you go, you do cool shit and cool shit happens. Standing at the bar, just taking it all in. And then I feel this hand on my shoulder. I turn around and there's this big gruff looking guy with a goatee and a floppy cab driver's cat and a pair of glasses he's like this is pretty cool huh? <laughs> and I'm like yeah this is fantastic you know and then we started talking about the franchise and how much we love it and we started grilling each other about stuff and then it got to the fan theory section where it was like what do you think happened here what do you think happened there and eventually it led to so what do you think of fan films and I'm like I hate them and the reason why is, it's just, um, you know, everybody's a fan, but everybody's a fan in their own way. There's certain things that people like about it, and when people make a fan thing, they put their favorite 
things in there, and there's a very high risk of putting in things that don't align with what other fans loved about it. You know, it, it, the best example that I can give is Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Uh-huh. The, two, the two guys are sitting there, and they're like, yeah, we're huge fans, we love this. You know, and the, they just gave their own interpretation of it, and they completely missed out on all the things that made both of those franchises great. So, uh, yeah, long story short, um, you know, he looked at me, and then he was like, well, I'm making a fan film, and let me tell you about it. And uh, 25 minutes later, you, you know, I was pretty sold on it, and we kept in contact afterwards, and eventually there was like, all right, I'd like you to check out the script. So I, I took a look at the script, and I'm like, this is actually uh, pretty solid. And as time went by, it just went, you know what, fuck it. Do you want to be in the movie? Would I say no to that? <laughs> right. You know, and uh, here we are. So it was definitely an interesting production. Um, it exceeded the standards that I held for fan makes, is what I would say, or fan creations. Right. It actually seemed to hold true to the series in a way that sometimes even the official sequels did not. Yeah, that that um, um that was one thing that a lot of people really drove themselves nuts doing when they were putting this film together was trying to keep a cohesive story going and making sure that there was a little something from everything you know that that even the bad ones because mm-hmm. Friday the 13th for me personally it kind of started dipping off after six I mean seven was a bit of a stretch it has its great moments and then eight you know when you're a kid you're like yeah this is cool there's Jason killing people then you're like how the fuck did he morph over there you know? <laughs> by the time we had Jason goes to hell which is and then you had Jason X which is but there's a little something for everything in it and that's something that everybody really strove to put together throughout the entire movie I can definitely see it especially kind of the homages to the comedic stylings of the less conventional ones in the series Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of am bummed to hear what you said about Jason X because that's (laughs) honestly one of my favorites in the series but I look at it as like a completely self-aware take on how shit the series has gone at the end yeah, unfortunately it is. But you know, that's the beauty of the Friday the 13th franchise and a lot of other horror franchises. Too. It's just, you know, there's... I could look at it and say, this sucks. And then you could look at it and be like, that's actually my favorite. But the thing is, is at the end of the day, you, you always meet somewhere in the middle. There's that core factor that people really enjoy about it. Yeah, if we're talking about it. favorite okay. entries, I'd probably say... Wow, it's kind of tough. One, I mean... Okay, so one is good, but it's a little slow in parts. Two, uh, the whole sackhead hillbilly Jason is a really cool concept. Three, um, well, if you can actually watch it in 3D, it's fun, but otherwise, um, three kind of sucks for me. I don't like the acting is weak. I thought the ending was stupid with the with Jason's mom coming out of the lake. Even though it was in her head, it was just dumb. And then four... Yeah, that was kind of a... Yeah, four, I, 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 know, I know three is one where he gets a hockey mask, but... Mm. Uh, four, uh, I thought was really good. Uh, definitely one of the best ones in the series. And you know, Savini doing the whole ending where Tommy's taking out Jason was just beautifully well done. And then five, five kind of tried. Like when it focuses on Tommy, it's really good. I think because I, I think the actor does a really good job. But then it gets to this weird comedy stuff with the hill with the uh, the the redneck characters and stuff. And then like the plot is just kind of a bit loose it's not a bad concept I guess a paramedic wanting to get revenge for the death of his son but the way his son died was stupid as hell you know over a chocolate bar really 
Right. But I do respect uh, part five for being like the last of the creepy, like in the woods kind of tone of the movies. And then part six is a rare time when the comedy works perfectly well with the seriousness of it all. And usually that's a lot of people's favorite, and you know, it's easy to see why. Um, and then, yeah, then part seven is when they were running out of ideas. Uh, look, I, I'm glad Kane Hodder, you know, he did a great, he was a great Jason, but he was <laughs> the weakest ones. Seven uh, was gonna be Freddy versus Jason, but they couldn't get the rights to Freddy, so then they decided to basically do Jason versus Tina. So the ending was awesome, though, with telekinesis stuff. And then, and then Jason goes to Manhattan. Which was just okay. So somebody made a fan edit of Jason Takes Manhattan, and they cut out the whole that psychic or the the girl that has the visions. Cut out all the vision stuff and the teleporting Jason stuff and streamlined it a bit better. Then it might be all right, but otherwise it was just kind of bleh. I think a better fan edit of Jason Takes Manhattan would be the credits, and then it quick jumps to the other credits. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I can't disagree there. Uh, and then Jason goes to hell was just the hidden or like a body snatcher knockoff. Yeah. I like the Steve character and the 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 bounty hunter character uh, Craig and Duke. Otherwise it was just kind of like what the hell am I watching? <laughs> That's sort of how I felt about Freddy versus Jason. Let's not show it. Uh, and Freddy versus Jason I think is a guilty pleasure. Some people love it, some people hate it. Well, I just didn't get the comedy of Freddy vs. Jason because it wasn't really in line with the comedy of either series. It had like kind of this slapstick uh, three idiots montage feel to it. Well, after quite a few moments. After uh, Friday, after Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 4 it gets really comedic with 5 and 6. But, mm, uh, I could be misremembering the series. Oh, Freddy, uh, Freddy's Dead is a Looney Tunes cartoon come to life. Hey, you forgot the power glove! Now I'm playing with power! Now we're playing with power, bitch! I love Freddy's Dead, though. I mean, it's ridiculous, but... Uh... Anyways, uh, right, back well, to well, Vengeance. Well, let, let's hear your favorite. So we already know X is your favorite. Well, X is my favorite, if only because of its satirical take, and then actually I would almost stick with the original. It's funny because before Jason Voorhees took the stage, I just liked the mystery of the original where there was a killer, there was this fear, but it's not until the final unveil that you actually know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, in a weird way, like, Jason kind of stole the show. Yeah. It, from what, in my opinion, was a much more psychological drama about a bereaved mother. Right. And not even the remake went back to the mother. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Which was really one of its biggest follies there. I mean, mm -hmm. that just goes to show about the remake. Uh, nobody's listed it so far until now. <laughs> it, it was alright. I think it was one of the better Platinum Dude remake. Actually, no, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is better than that. So, uh, no, Texas Chainsaw Massacre would probably be a good top of that one. Yeah. How do you screw that for him? Uh... Friday the 13th, this, the remake wasn't memorable. Like, I don't know. And I felt the teenagers were characters of the the previous teenagers in the movies. I don't know. There's something off about it. There's moments I like, though. 
but oh, it just wasn't break. great. L listening to the guys hyping that movie up, yeah, we're gonna make him like Rambo. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. I mean, it was still he better. Trap doors. Yeah, it was still better than that Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, oh the burnt sock puppet. <laughs> Oof. Every it's time that, that that I see um, Freddy Krueger before he got burned, getting set on fire, and he rips the coat open, and you see the sweater. Every time he does that, I keep waiting here. Ba -ba 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 yeah, that was corny. That was, that was pretty gnarly. Um, Child's Play seems to be the only remake that actually had, I don't know, a purity to it? Like, I really enjoyed the remake of Child's Play. I thought it was really well done. Could have been called something else. But well, it was oh, until man. you said purity that I almost interrupted, because I'm actually a big fan of Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween. Halloween remake. But that's just because he's like a genuine, to the core misanthrope. He he portrays humanity in very negative terms. Well, I story okay, I respect Rob Zombie for making it different, like another not another like not the same as the others. I don't hate Rob Zombie's Halloween, but at the same time, it's like I thought the the asylum stuff was cool, and then when it becomes a copy of the original at the end, I was like, eh. Yeah, I can get that. But you see, this right here, it's actually uh, perfectly in line with the whole discussion of fan film. Because yes. everybody's, got, everybody's got their their expectations. Everybody's got... But, you know, there's always that common core denial, which is pretty much Jason, Freddy, Michael Mott, Chuck. Yeah, you know, everybody's got that core common denial that they all can try to agree upon. You know, but I, I've right. seen some discussions about what was better and what was worse, and uh, pretty self. I mean, we we could go on like hours on the Halloween franchise because they keep rebooting the goddamn timeline and stuff. Hey, not for nothing. The last Halloween movie was pretty. Yeah, but we're getting two more sequels, so it's like, ugh, please don't suck. Uh, I don't know. Well, they, they've done good so far. Let's wait until they fuck up before we jump on it. <laughs> so, uh, vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Back to vengeance. Yeah, let's hear about some vengeance. So, I guess we discussed uh, Jason's dad being an addition to the series. Long overdue. Long overdue, but I would have liked to have seen him get a more critical role. And it's just really interesting whenever he appears on the screen because you get this feeling of like, wait, where have you been? Yeah, Definitely. they, they do yeah, I agree with that. keep it a mystery. Yeah, I, there's mystery and there's being absent. I feel like they're sequel baiting in a way. I don't, That's what I, thought, too. I don't know if they're going to make Avengers 2 or not. Well, I, 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 I can't speak for everybody. Revengeance. The, the, way that, um, uh, the way that they left it off, I would say that um, the door is open. Right. Yeah, but at this point, it's, um, it's a little early to tell. There's a lot of factors to go into that. My only, I, just, I was going to say, my, my only nitpick with the story was the Necronomicon appearing in it. I was like, oh, I really don't like that plot thread. <laughs> I try to block Very it out of Jason one. Goes to Hell. <laughs> Yeah, but not for nothing, though. The Necronomicon thing actually played out pretty well, as mm. opposed to right. just throwing it in the background. I don't, uh, even though it's in, even though it's in both Jason Goes to Hell and Vengeance, I don't actually consider it canonical to Evil Dead. I just consider it, like, a version of the Necronomicon being in this canon, but not the same world that, you know, Ash and stuff exists. Like, it has different properties. I just can't buy well, Jason as a deadite. Well, no, I, I don't believe that Jason's a deadite at all. He's a revenant, you know? It, right. It's a completely different thing. I, I mean, deadites, they talk. They, they torment you. Mm -hmm. Psychologically. So, I, I mean, yeah, the Necronomicon, 
there's got to be more than one spell in the fucking book that has space. Right. I just kind of view it as a neat wink wink. Oh, actually, I, I, I consider it a, uh, I, I consider it a wink wink, a nod nod, and it's also something that um, people would either really love or people would kind of shit on. For the most part, from what I've heard, people really dig the idea of it. I personally hated Jason Goes to Hell, and people like to say, oh, there's an Economicom in the background, and I'm like, yeah, there's also the crate from Creepshow. Are you going to tell me that fucking... You know, a fuzzy. Jason was a was a cre- no fluffy or fluffy. I say you're thinking of uh, that stupid bear from Sesame Street. So what? <laughs> um, it's been a long week. What I what I would say though. is is that um, it, it, it's something that people have discussed for a long, long time, but someone actually had the balls to throw it out there and see where where it would lay. From what I've heard, people really like it. Right. It's it's at least a plausible way to explain that Jason is dead and was brought back. Because how else, you know, other than the fan theory that Jason never died at all, how else would you explain him coming back to life? True that. That's actually what I was going to say in line with bringing in the Nemer- Necronomicon, Nemonomicon, I almost said, <laughs> um, is that it actually finally gave the explanation. It was kind of courageous to do because I like the idea of his dad being a kind of a cultist, kind of a mentally ill individual with ties to the demonic underworld. I like how at the end they, uh, wait, are we in spoiler territory? Uh, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm gonna just go spoiler, because I, like I said at the beginning, like, like just people need to watch it, you know, it's like, because obviously we all, we, we all recommend it. Well, this is, um, pro- this would probably be a good time to say there be spoilers. Um... <laughs> Not RB spoilers are. I would rather people watch the movie first right. before they jump into this section. But I, I think, at the very least, we could play it safe so that we're not making you know people stop. Right. We can dive into stuff like just put our foot in the water, but not. True. Because I'm sure at this point people have already seen it, and at, at another point people have already talked about it. <laughs> It kind of so, ties into my disappointment with the father character's role and lack of inclusion, though, is because I felt like it was kind of perfect how he incidentally became a revenant is implied at the end of the film. Right. He's died in three counties. He uh, did this to bring back his son out of a desperation and obsession. He called off the police search because it did not matter anymore, which is cryptic enough. And um, when he does this spell out of the Necronomicon, in-universe or out-of-universe, from Evil Dead, um, it has an unintended consequence of keeping him alive, too. Mm. They're tied to each other. There yes. could There could also be more than one Necronomicon as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a grimoire. It's a spell book. Yeah, there, there, there could very well be a library of books. Um... There's one concept I heard of that hasn't been explored yet. Uh, basically, if you're having the character Tommy Jarvis basically blaming himself for bringing Jason back because if it wasn't for him trying to cremate Jason and shoving that pole in Jason that got struck by lightning, it wouldn't have, you know, there's always a concept of would it happen or not. Well, he was already back. That's always been my interpretation in the series. The kid did drown... Well, at the at the beginning of uh, part six, when Tommy uh, um, digs him up, he's pretty much all corpsey with maggots on him and stuff. And then he has a PTSD moment, and he grabs uh, 
a uh, like a piece of fence or a fence pole or whatever, and like starts stabbing Jason like, and you know, and then he leads it in Jason, and then he goes to grab uh, the gas and stuff, and then uh, lightning strikes it, and that's when he comes back to life, a la Frankenstein. Talk about you done fucked up. Yeah. Speaking of, I almost called it Revengeance. Thank you for saying Revengeance. Now that's stuck in my head. <laughs> That'll be a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually, it, it kind of goes to one of my favorite things about this, is that uh, it takes itself a lot more seriously than the rest of the Friday series. It uh, stopped taking itself seriously as time went on, but this actually almost seems like it fits right after like part six. It doesn't have all of the stupidity immediately included in the canon. It's not nothing well, that, but punchline punch joke. Not, not to interrupt you, but that's actually the whole premise is that this completely ignores seven through. Six happened. He, he's at, he, you know, he's down in the water. And um, once again, it's another ballsy decision that you'd have to make. And, you, you know, the best way that I could sum it up is, is that look at it like Back to the Future, when Biff Tannen went back in time and gave himself the book and how things kind of skewed off. This opens a door that um, Vengeance could be its own little, little, little niche in the timeline, where, you know, if you didn't care for Vengeance, then you're like, no, it should be 7, 8, 9, 10 through. You can look at that and it works, but if you didn't care for everything past six, you can go down the other pathway and still get a little bit of satisfaction. I see that. <laughs> now, um, uh, while, while we're on the subject, let, let's talk about CJ's performance. Uh, I mean, I feel that Elias Voorhees was a character that was talked about forever, that has been demanded forever, and now someone actually had the balls to put him out there and put him on screen. You know, finally make it happen. And, um, you know, as Lou already said, he wasn't there, you, you know, he could have been there more. Um, Rage, what did you think of him? Uh, I thought it was interesting uh, how it was kept uh, mysterious um, everything. Um, uh, some of the some of the people he killed kind of confused me. Um, well, let's hear it. Well, what did you get? Maybe I can help out. Like, when he went behind and killed those hunters? But I guess he would need a place to stay. There were assholes in his woods. <laughs> and in all honesty, that was one of my favorite scenes. I thought that was so cool, the way those two were walking through the woods, and then you just see CJ pop out from behind a tree, and he stalks up behind him, doesn't hear a sound. And then, um, you know, they're still jo joking and telling bad jokes, and then he just quick turns around, oh, Jesus Christ, and Elias just looks at him, no. <laughs> right. He's like, are, are, are you lost? He's like, are you boys lost? You know, you, it, it, I, I felt it was a great tension moment because it's just, you knew that this was not going to end well for those two guys. And I just like the, it, it was like a cat stalking his prey, the way he walked up behind him. And they didn't even notice. They didn't even notice. And then just bam, right there. I also kind of empathized with the Hunter characters, at least the way they were portrayed. Because like you meet this guy in the woods and this guy's just a weirdo. You kind of turn away, you're like, Cuckoo. And then you get murdered. Like, because you don't realize how serious of a situation you found yourself in. You're just a dude telling jokes about uncles in your pants. <laughs> it's probably good that they kept um, Elias mysterious, because I think if they would have over-explained some of the things, 
it would have ruined it because that's that, that's the problem when you make like prequels and stuff or when you you explain too much of a mystery uh sometimes well it's that's just... also a very good point too bringing the elias character in the way it was right um, i would rather have people make fan theories make fan fan theories but i would personally i would rather want more than say okay there's too much because you can just True. look at this and be like, you know, we're testing the waters with this, we're testing the waters with that, we want to see what's the right temperature. And then you could sit there and say, I want more Elias on screen. I would much rather have you say that you want more, instead of saying he's overexposed, we saw too much of him, or, you, you know, maybe take it into that perspective. I can agree with that. He, he could have easily sidelined the story by becoming a secondary antagonist that basically didn't relate to the plot of the main circle of characters. It's I just that um, the comparison that um, uh, it was like the the masked man or, or the guy with the black trench coat in Halloween Part Five, which I think is fucking stupid. Oh, the man in black. Yeah. The man in black, who turned out to be the original psychologist, which was a neat plot twist and everything. You know, hey, we got the guy from part one back. Yeah. Bye. I give part six credit for being ambitious, but I get what you're saying. But, I mean, the guy, the man in black shows up the whole movie and all you see are his boots. And then he just shows up at the end and machine guns the police station full of cops, which, I don't know, Maniac Cop 2, that kind of worked for me, but this... <laughs> What, what turned out to be, what, a 60, a 60, 65 year old man going through a police station, especially with Sheriff Brackett as trigger happy as he is, and True he dad. got dynamite and all this, come on. At least Elias mm -hmm. came in, he got down and dirty, and he did some, he did some damage. Well, the, yeah. the Man in Black, the story with that is because uh, part five, they didn't even know, there wasn't, they didn't have the Thorn Cult thing figured out or anything, they just were like, well, it was a... Let's see, Halloween 4 came out, so within a year they wanted to whip out Halloween 5. So whoever wrote it was like, you know what, I'm just going to add in a, a Man in Black character to make it mysterious. And then whoever yeah, had to write part Dave's 6. Yeah. Oh, you think that's bad? Okay, we got to go off topic here. There's a, oh. there's a script for part 5 where the plot would have been that Michael Myers would have hit his head, become good, Dr. Loomis would have realized this and tried to protect him from the townspeople, a la Frankenstein. Sounds fascinating in its own light. But how about Oof. this? You know, people want to say, what's this black magic bullshit? Take a look at the thorn culture. Look how that yeah. got out of control. Right. They oh, yeah. They didn't even decide an ending for part six. Yeah, they had to have a... Oh, God, Michael Myers have sex with his niece, and then, like, she gave birth, and that was going to be a sacrifice for the cult. It was like, really? Wow. Yeah. Take a look at that, and then you take a look at... Uh, Elias Voorhees bringing out the Necronomicon, which was already kind of put into the series, and I right. think there's comics that have already made about it. Doesn't seem too bad, does it? No. And it could have been just generic spellbook or whatever anyways. It didn't have to be that, so it doesn't really... It's one of the things where yeah, people but, shouldn't know, think you, too hard about it, you, you know? You, you really shouldn't. It's there, and it, it, it served its purpose. Uh, people... True that. I, I view it like, um... What's that movie... There was a movie that used like the PKE meters from Ghostbusters, you know, as a prop in it. That, did, that oh, doesn't yeah, that doesn't mean that exactly uh that doesn't mean that it's in the canonical universe of Ghostbusters. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I remember the movie. I just don't remember it off the top of my head, but I do remember seeing. Oh, it was um, they live. Right, you're right, you're right. 
it was they live the guy the, the security guys in the news station is standing there and they're holding up pke meters and i'm like i think thematically the necronomicon actually fits pretty well with the whole concept of the revenant and even just uh even the original film and the mother's obsession with vengeance mm-hmm it uh, kind of it, it implies there's something deeper and more screwed up about that family than the series ever touched on, and perhaps why she is the murderous, terrible person that she is. Um, I, th- I thought it tied in pretty well because, like, if you consider the first film in the context of this new performance, it kind of explains her why she herself would be obsessed and vengeful if that's her husband. I think it's one thing that he did very well in the role is like. He almost showed where Jason got it from. Yeah, you you can't marry a man like Elias Voorhees and ha- have all your gears run and just come out on top. Yeah, kind yeah, like, of uh... so like oh, I, I've really got the life going here. You know, I've got this bearded guy with obvious anger issues. Definitely kind of a classic alcoholic, and you know, he reads books made out of you know human flesh. That's a fucking American dream for you, right there. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to see an Elias side story just like the average day. I can see that. <laughs> as far as performances go, I would honestly say this was one of the more solid sequels, even as a fan-made sequel. Mm-hmm. In that, like, yeah, you had your kind of iffy characters. One of me, one for me being uh, the younger sister. But, like, everyone else seemed to kind of hold it together, and uh, as I was discussing with someone else, they, they were like, well, if you look at the originals, the acting wasn't very good. Yeah. Like, it wasn't about an Oscar-tier performance. I would give the example of part three, because that one just, to me, has the worst acting in it. Oh, um, well, not Shelly. I thought Shelly was good. Yeah. <laughs> we have to say Shelly's good, because the actor's a lawyer now. <laughs> no, give me... <laughs> Actually, no, he's a copyright lawyer. He's not going to sue you if you... Oh, my joke failed. Larry Zerner is actually a pretty damn good act. I gave him props. Right. You you feel bad for him. Yeah. You know? uh, but um, no, that's an that's an excellent point. I mean, th- th- there's been some sayings about the acting, and in all honesty, if you really look at the grand scheme of things, a lot of people that worked on this project, both in front and behind, this was um this was our first experience ever doing, especially on this scale. You know, and there's, there's some pretty big uh, shoes that you got to fill. Because, I mean, you walk into a Friday the 13th with a rabid fan base. You're not going to please everything. You really aren't. But when you look at the core acting of everything, I, I, I really challenge you to go back into the other movie and tell me that there's really fucking truly Robert De Niro level. Because, I mean, out of, out of ten movies... Like ten established movies, just in the, the Friday the Thirteenth, not not even counting the remake, the Jason Goes to Hell movie. Who do we have that are really established actors here? We've got Kevin Bacon, we've got Corey Feldman, we've got Crispin Glover, and who else do we have out of all the people that have come across the board? All I know is yeah, and two of the actors in Jason X went on to do that Andromeda show. That's that's all I got. I was going to say that the the um, kids of the previous victims was also a really cool idea. I, I, I actually really enjoyed that. It's about time that they brought stuff like And I also like that, that Tommy Jarvis wasn't in it. The fact that he was kind of this mystery, like they don't know where he is. I thought that was actually a clever idea. Because we all love Tommy Jarvis, but in a way, 
it would have been kind of over it was something new you know it was it, it was kind of nice to have it be a mystery than just like oh he's in this again well yeah. i would have felt like he would have directed the way the film went through the presence of his character and it just gave these new faces something to work off of that wasn't just in his shadow. That, that, that's perfect. I, I was just going to kind of say something. I mean, watching the film as a fan of the franchise, um, having Tommy Jarvis in this particular entry, it would have definitely cast a huge shadow. And personally, like I said, I, I felt that... Yeah, um, the acting in this movie was really good. A lot of people really put everything that they, you know, everything that they had. There really was no lazy acting in any of this, and people really did try their asses. People really, um, you, you know, with with what little experience that they had, they, I, I feel that they they did great. Hey, I mean, you can look at a lot of it and say, you know, this is pretty amateurish, and it's because a lot of these people are amateur. Right. People have never been in the film before. Well, I mean, your your your, your cameo was pretty good. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I've I've also never done a film before. Right. And the moment that that I was on film, I almost put the poor bastard right through the wall. I feel I felt bad for Rick because he's a really nice guy. Oh well, I t skeptic watched the the film. He's not here, but he said that he felt that you that you were one of the best parts of it. Well, thank him for that. I really appreciate that. Will do. And also, I mean, let's be real here. The kills is what a lot of people are going to watch. And the kills that's in this, I thought, were people, fantastic. That, that, that's what the... That, 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 that to me, is another core. Or, or the kill. Everybody I mean, wants to see... It's a popcorn film. You get some popcorn. You know, you try not to let the acting and stuff get to you. You just... You're going in to watch Jason do his thing. You know? Well, it's kind of a core theme with slasher movies. It's right. like slasher movies aren't the genre of established name brand actors whose names are up in lights for the last 25 years. It's rare. It's where but people yeah. go to go to. Well, yes, of course, you do get your characters, your actors that do come in and take on these roles. But for the most part, at the start of a slasher series, you've got no name actors and an emphasis on practical effects mm -hmm. and that's one thing that i felt like this movie did really well was the emphasis on the practical effects versus just compositing and cgi which it easily could have accessed in the time that it was made yeah we could have gone down the cgi route but i can tell you firsthand um nah, we, we went really practical with a lot of the things watching the stuff happen offset you know seeing some of the kills and some of the effects it was really, really cool. I mean, it, it, the whole... Jason is savage. Fast. He's like the fucking Terminator. And the multiple kill stuff was just a great idea. Yeah, you, you know what? While we're talking Jason, um, I, I just got to say that Jason Brooks, he really knocked it out of the park. I, I think thought so as well. Um, yeah, so he, he definitely deserves a lot of praise. Uh, the first time that I ever saw Jason Brooks as Jason was um, in the Mythos trailer. And Jeremy Brown, the director, he's like, so what do you think of him? You know, and I was like, you fucking got it. I, I'm, I'm typically very, very critical about everything involving Friday the 13th. And um, the first time that I had ever seen Jason Brooks as Jason was um, Jeremy had sent me the trailer for Mythos, the original project. And I got to see Jason in, in full gear. I got to see him in action. He's like, so what do you think of him? And I'm like, you fucking got him. You know, and when I watched it, I saw parts of CJ, I saw parts of Kane, 
and I, I saw actually quite a bit of um, part four Jace. Uh, that was Ted White, right? I could be wrong. Yep. Okay. And it actually, you guys already li you guys listed off your favorites, and Part Four Jays. Part Four was my favorite out of the whole thing. I felt that that was the best. Yeah. Um. And, uh, my lo my logic behind that is is um, Kane Hodder is the most iconic Jay. If I was gonna go Jasons, I would have to say Ted White. Um, I, I can't really. It's it, it's it's really disingenuous to try to say that you have a favorite. I mean, part four, definitely one of my favorites. I felt that he did really good with the performance. Genuinely creepy. And the impression that I got out of him was that this was like a wounded animal that was slowly dying and that he was breaking down. So he's like just kind of fueled by anger. and that, That's the impression that I got from performance. He was also a very accomplished actor. Um, you know, Kane was very, very good. Whenever I hear the argument, um, oh, Kane was the best because he brought rage to Jason, and bullshit, because when you watch part four, watch that scene after he gets clocked in the neck with that hammer, and he bursts through the window. Right. And right. he breaks through the door and hucks that hammer right at Trish's head. It gets stuck in the wall. Yeah. Did he look like he was, you know, ready to go out and pick some damn daisies, or did he look pretty pissed off? Well, Kane... You know? Uh, well, the only okay, Kane should get uh, gets respect because he's the only one that wanted to return multiple times to play the character. Everybody actually you know. wanted to return hmm. for a lot of reasons. Like like Steve Dash, he wanted to return. CJ would have loved. I love that line of vengeance. I'm the real Jason. Uh, that 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 was that was the coolest thing. I pop every time I hear that. Steve, thank you for everything. Um, Steve was the heart and the soul of this. Um, I, I I don't want to speak for everybody on the production and for all the fans and such, but um, I, I feel that Steve, he was the heart and soul of it. And um, unfortunately, he, 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 he definitely watched it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to hear his thoughts on it, which I'm sure would have been very colorful no matter how things went <laughs> But... Um, you know, if you really want to look at it and try to look at it from a philosophical standpoint, um, when when Steve passed, it almost felt like a part of him went into every single, and it made every single one of us take this all the more serious because it stopped being about making a great home and it became more about honoring like and the contributions that he. Because if it wasn't for Steve, I I, I wouldn't have done this, and I, I don't think that you know there's a good possibility that the series might not have continued if, if he was a bad Jason. And he scared the shit out of me as a kid. Right. You know, so... Uh, people owe Steve Dash a lot of credit. You know, and it, uh, he, even he was like, hey, it was peanuts, you know? But he, he, even later on, he's like, you know, I, I started something here, you know? I... I kind of like how uh, Betsy Palmer uh, later embraced the role. She, she she embraced it later. I think Steve always enjoyed it. Because like I said, from what I had heard, Steve had uh, wanted to come back and play um, uh, Jason again. You know, mm. but they went with Richard Brooker instead because they wanted they had a new look. They wanted him to be this hulking thing. Uh, where Steve was kind of like a panther. Honestly, I think, I think they probably recast because they don't want to have to pay someone more money to be Jason. There's a possibility of that, too. I mean, 
who knows? Yeah. Studio execs are studio execs. But absolutely. And anybody in the industry can tell you that. They're, they're, they're characters. One thing I, I want to say about Vengeance uh, is in the beginning, when I did see the early Mythos trailers, I I wasn't sold on it. Those early trailers were rough. Um, but it's so good to see how everything evolved and it in it, it becoming what it became, you know, which is a pretty damn good fan film, you know? Well, it kind of goes... I was going to actually paint for contrast. One, one example that comes to mind as contrast would actually be the Nightmare on Elm Street series because as you watch it, if you watch it, like, say, in its entirety, not that I would say anybody should sit through all of them in a row, it becomes more so about making more extreme versions of the same character that was established. Whereas Jason has these kind of unique variations that appear throughout the series, and it becomes like a source of homages and nods that allows a unique amount of variety to become manifested in the character, as opposed to what Rick and Morty would eventually come to parody, where uh, they're just parodying the fact that he says bitch a lot. That he calls everybody and everything bitch. Oh, Freddy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty slick. Welcome to the time, bitch. <laughs> Chucky sometimes borrows it, too. And it kind of becomes uh, a shtick. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like, say the line, Bart. I didn't uh -huh. do it. <laughs> uh. no, no, that's part of the charm with Jason, too, is that he, he, he speaks through his actions. Yeah, he's, a, uh, he's kind of a silent Rorschach for fans to look at. Like how you got your phrase, panther-like. Um, wounded animal. There's a lot you can perceive in him without the actor ever having to say a line. Exactly, and that's just, that, that, that's the mark right there. That you go, you know, and that just leads to um, uh, you know, Jason Brooks. He, he he knocked it out of the park. There was little bits and pieces of a lot of the past uh, Jasons. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, he, he, I saw part six in him. I saw part seven in him. And I, I thought there was a little bit of uh, uh, every Jason in him, but he also brought his own unique take on it as well. I thought the body language that he put through was fantastic. And um, one of my favorites, and like I said, we're, um, you know, we dip our toes in. But um, the, the scene uh, near the end with the boat, that was one of the coolest. Yes. I, I thought that was great tension there. I would just... And I just finally... When Angelica runs up and he just does that one final thing without even looking, and all you hear is crunch. Right. I was like, yeah. I was just about to ask what everyone's favorite kill was. <laughs> Actually, that would uh, hands down be my favorite kill. I agree. <laughs> I got an intense uh, sense of claustrophobia and kind of helplessness for the character. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've hidden, but now you're just in the shittiest of situations. Yeah, poor Luke. He he was a he's a great actor too. I thought he brought a lot to the film. Yes, he was like the little encyclopedia. He was like the Egon, the meek little guy that knows everything. But yeah, he did a good Don't put job him on the front line of not um having him just be Encyclopedia Brown though and piss his pants at the first sight of danger. Like he came in with these preconceptions of discovering the truth. And as he sees the truth, he starts to break down. And in the final moments, he truly does kind of emotionally and psychologically collapse. And I thought it was just kind of an effective transition of character from this excited nerd who's seen most of this from the outside, who understands both the real sightings and the unreal sightings, which was a nice nod to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then as he faces the reality of Jason, and no, it's not something that you want to experience like he thought he did. He thought he was going to be here as like a war reporter safe behind the tank, when in fact he was right there in the trenches. That, that's the perfect analogy, and I was just going to say it myself. It's like so many war movies that you see mm-hmm. where people, um, um, you know, they're in, they're in boot camp, and they're like, fuck this, I'm ready to roll. It's almost like Hudson and Aliens. There's a better analogy for you, too. <laughs> you do not you want know, to fuck Hudson with me. A- I- I'm ready to kick some ass. Let- let's go do this. I'm excited about this. And then the moment that things start happening... Game over, just, man. Oh, Game over. This is not what I expected. Yeah. True that, true that. And, like, there's this, these preconceptions that his character evidently carries in that get broken, and I thought it was one of the more effective parts of the movie, is just his character transition, besides perhaps the role of Jason himself. Mm-hmm. There, there actually was quite a bit of, um, um, a, a little bit of evolution in some of the characters here. A lot of people try to say, um, some of the more negative things that I've heard is saying that, um, you didn't really have much character growth, but he, he's a perfect example of, you know, you see him in the beginning, and, um, you wind up um, really starting to feel for this poor bastard. Yeah. I think everybody has their own expectation. Um, but you just can't please everybody because people are going to walk in and they're going to expect it to be just as good or better than their favorite. And sometimes you can't meet that. And, you know, that's where you're going to start to get things where it's like, well, I absolutely loved it. And you have other people say I absolutely couldn't stand it because it's it's just everybody's got their own idea of how things should turn out. And sometimes sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And it's just like uh, you love part 10. I, I love part four, you know, and um, uh, Rage likes Teletubbies. <laughs> you know, it's just, Fuck you, it's, asshole. It's, it's, <laughs> You know, there's a good one right there. Terminator. Everybody loves Terminator 2. I love Terminator 1. Terminator, uh, the le- the new one that's coming out. Uh, everybody thinks it's going to be dog shit. I think it's actually going to be pretty fucking awesome. You know, it's just everybody's got their idea of, of how things should go. And, you know, it's just... True. He, so Sometimes you have to look at the negatives, too. And I, I don't mind negatives at all. I really don't, because if, if, if you have that echo chamber going on of everybody just telling you how fantastic you are, you, you never have a chance to really stop and take a critical look at what you put together, and then go back and be like, alright, we could have done this a little better, and then when you start to really look at the constructive criticism from people, because I mean, if you just say, oh, this fucking sucked, why? Because your face! <laughs> You're gonna get shit. You, 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 it's just... Okay, dude, you sound like an asshole, and I've taken away absolutely nothing from your opinion. Move along. Yeah. And then you have people who, well, I didn't care for this because of this. You can actually stop and take that in and at least write it down mentally and say, you know, well, this part didn't do so well, so what can we do to do better, to to, Uh to be a better asset to the product next? You know? So it's, I say bring the criticism on. Absolutely, because how the hell else is anybody going to learn anything so that we could do better and make it a better experience both for the people who loved it and also for you with this? Um, Before we move along too far and this becomes like an actual callback to the conversation, I feel like an important note was touched on here, which is like when you're reviving a series after this long, when you're making the umpteenth sequel, 
You're competing mm-hmm. not with the actual film, but nostalgia of the film. The yeah. first Halloween movie you ever saw is going to hit you, and by that I mean Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, any of these series. They're going to hit you harder than anything you see as an adult with the understanding that you've gained. And when、mm-hmm. you watch these movies now in light of the whole series, you have something to compare it to, and so it's easier to f- identify what's wrong, what sticks out as different, what doesn't hit the mark, than it is to kind of single out what's right and what stands out as kind of a unique addition to the series. Because、mm-hmm. because you, you just look at it and you're like, well, I wanted more of this,、mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't get it, and that's and that kind of ruined the experience for me. And you know, I mean, that's just human nature. You you want something, and if you didn't get it, you're going to be disappointed.、It's、like you go to McDonald's and you want a fucking double cheeseburger, and they give you a fish sandwich. It's like, well, I, I wanted a double cheeseburger. <laughs> you, know, you have a you, you you have a right to be upset, but are you going to fucking throw the hamburger across the counter and 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 call the per you know call the cashier a fat pig and <laughs> tell them to go fuck themselves and knock the cash register over? Maybe start pissing on the soda fountain. Maybe the cop. Officers have to come and take you away, or are you just gonna walk up to the counter and say, "Hey, I'm really sorry. This is, you know, I ordered this and I got this instead." <laughs> What do they do? Nine times out of ten, they just say, "I'm really sorry," and they take it back and they fix it. And well, unless it's fucking McDonald's, hopefully you get it right. In the right. Time. Well, well, unfortunately, with YouTube, there's definitely people like that out there. Oh God, those are just the ones you don't quite listen to. Oh my God, just don't ever go to Waffle well, House. Waffle House. This just got interesting.、Uh, there's a whole selection of videos on Waffle House. It's the most ghetto, trashy thing ever. People are always having fights in that place. Like lights are always getting broken, stuffs always getting broken. It's like Fight Club or something. It's insanity. Just go on YouTube or whatever and just type in Waffle House. I'm sure you'll find videos on this. It's it's insane. I can't believe it's real. I thought it was I fucking fake. Fucking at that I mean, it's literal insanity. There's always fights going on inside and outside the store. It's just, it's complete batshit crazy. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, <laughs> back to vengeance. Um, um, yeah. I actually had a question for you, Jersey. Sure. Having worked on the film, was there any part that was particularly frustrating or kind of a letdown? Like in、Absolutely、which you thought not, things、really. would go a certain way, and、uh, you were disappointed that either a perspective wasn't heard or wasn't followed. The fog machine. Well, the fog machine—that was just the fog machine being a piece of shit. <laughs>、um, as far as working on the film, for the time that I was on set, it was like fucking summer. You know, everybody was really very friendly, and I mean, I was nervous as shit walking on set because it's like. I, I, I like I said I've I've never done a movie before I've never done anything on this scale I've done theater stuff in high school and I've done stage stuff I've been on stage before I go on a camera and I play Castlevania and I talk about Castlevania on an almost weekly basis whenever I have the time to film it and this was like the big time and I was more nervous than anything just walking on because it's like okay I'm about to become a part of Friday the Thirteenth history. I don't want to fuck this up, and you know. I have a question. This is, well, I'll finish this up. Sorry. This is the real. This is the real thing here, but you know, the minute that I walked on set, everybody was so nice. You know, everybody gave me a hug. Everybody welcomed me. You know, it, it, it was just an all-around great experience. And I mean, anything. If you had a question about something, someone was always there with an answer for you. 
Everybody was very accessible, both actors and production crew. It, it, like I said, it was like summer camp, and it's just I I I don't go uh, a day without thinking about it and missing the experience. That's how great it was. Before we move on to the question, I find it kind of funny you keep referencing summer camp because all I can think is hopefully not like Crystal Lake. Yeah, right. But you know what? This was, if this was Crystal Lake, I, I'd still be happy. <laughs> so no, there, the, you know the 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 too long didn't read thing is is no, I I, I wasn't frustrated at all. I had the time of my life, and That's there was none here. of this. There was no egos. There was none of that bullshit. Everybody was just fully committed to making a great movie. You know, and it's like, well, hey, we're building this over here. There was none of this. Oh no, you don't do this sort of shit. It's like, hey, come on, come and help. This is how we do it. You know, everybody was just very welcoming and accommodating. It was just, it was just I, I don't have enough nice things to say about the. The whole thing must be surreal. I mean, like, you got invited to a Friday the 13th, the video game party, met people yeah. that you yeah, frickin' been following a good chunk of your life, you know? And the next thing you know, you become a part of this fan film. It's like, that's just surreal, surrealism at its finest. It is. It really is. It's um, it, it's beyond humbling, and it's just for for me, it's it, it's 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 absolutely amazing. I I can't really put the words together to describe how awesome. I, I mean, I guess what anybody could kind of take away from my experiences is just you know, if if there is something that you want to do in your life, you know, sometimes you can't plan for things to work out that way. It's not like I ever woke up one day and decided, hey, I want to be in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. This is how I'm going to make it happen. It's just, you do one thing in your life that you're passionate about, and that can open a door to something cool happening. And then that cool thing happening can go to you meeting someone who winds up being a great friend. Can wind up saying, you know, fuck it, you want to be in the movie? Yes. You know, it's just, it's, it's very, very surreal. And I'm very, very lucky, you know? A lot of the people that we've interviewed on this podcast, you know, they all say the same thing. I'm very blessed to have what I have and I, I, I can truly emphasize with that statement because you just look at it and you're like right you know and it's just be passionate and do what you love to do and if there's anything that you want to do like creative wise anything it doesn't matter what it is fucking do it don't let anything stop you from doing it because this is this is how it happened if I had just sat on my ass all day and I didn't do anything I, I, I would not have you know, made the videos at the developer's notice that invited me to the party where I met so-and-so and, and got here. Everything is just one little step. And when you take every single step, there can be 20 steps that you got to take, but you have to take every little step with full force because otherwise you can slip and fall down the whole fucking flight. You know, I, I, if that analogy makes any, any sense whatsoever. Pretty close to it. Right. Now, Ragey, what is your question? That was that was it, really. <laughs> oh, that was a statement. Sorry. A question. <laughs> it was a prompt. <laughs> um, if, if I may, Objection, I, he's leading the witness. Oh, fuck um, it. And that concludes part one of our vengeance review. Please tune in for part two.